Doc, this one's from Anson, who writes in asking about his relative and says, in what way may it help minimize obsessive compulsive disorder as she has daily ways to do something repetitively, moving the doorknob every night, put things accordingly, how to reduce this from getting more serious, any medication ways to help, even though she insists not to eat medicine. She's also moving towards working hard and being a workaholic while disregarding her health. This is because she may fear the bad results by being fired by the company, how can we persuade her from not thinking about the bad results? Wow, multiple things going on here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a good question, Anton. And I think with OCD, it's typically quite hard to handle without medication, right? And one of the key hallmarks of uh, OCD is the fact that people who have it, they realize that there's something going on. They realize that their activities, their behaviors are irregular, but they find it very hard to control. And that's why we always recommend that if you have OCD, medication should be your first stop. So that we can manage those uh, obsessions, uh, and then the compulsions are more easily dealt with, uh, right? So I would definitely recommend that you know um, visiting a psychiatrist, getting a good prescription of medication. There's a oh, few options. First stop should be medication. I would think so because especially if this one sounds a bit full blown as well. I, I mm. don't know what stage is it, uh, I think it would be a good idea because we need to manage obsessions first, then right, we can right. do the rest, uh, right? I think both aspects in terms of the work and then the regular behaviors, the doorknobs and things like that are intertwined because OCD is under the anxiety umbrella. There's a lot of anxiety about things. That's why the obsessions and then therefore the compulsions occur. Like workaholic, you know, doorknobs, checking stuff and all that kind of things, right? Um, in terms of uh, managing it on our own for now, without medication, I think managing anxiety levels are important, right? So things like uh, mindfulness, uh, training, you know, relaxation exercises and all that, those are going to be really, really good. And also, um, if you're working with a psychologist, we'll be doing things like extinction behaviors, like right? Meaning, let's say the doorknob one, if she's cleaning doorknobs and stuff like that, what would happen if you don't clean the doorknob? So that's another thing that we'll try and do to try and uh, manage the behaviors that they're doing. But again, these are things that I would strongly recommend if it's uh, to a stage where you guys have diagnosed with OCD, do it with professionals because it can be quite a long and lengthy process. Okay, but the, the being fear of being fired by the company <clears throat> is also... Because she said she's moving towards being a workaholic without regard for her health. Yeah. So it's all part and parcel of it? I won't say all, uh, but with OCD, you do find that sometimes people jump from thing to thing, right? So now I'm obsessing about doorknobs and cleaning. It could be then move on to work because I'm worried about getting fired. So I become compulsive about working harder and harder and harder, for mm. example. Then later on, you might op- you, the obsession might jump to something else as well. I would suspect like, that it's interlinked. Like, I don't think it's a coincidence. Hey, Doc, uh, another anonymous message here on the DigiLight line, which reads, I've been married for five years now with two kids. I used to live a wild, exciting life before I got married. But now that I've settled down, I find that I don't desire my husband anymore and don't see him as attractive anymore. And I always reflect back to the old me when life was exciting. I feel this is ruining my marriage. What should I do? Right. Um, and I think that's something that quite a few people do experience as well. Uh. A large part of this has to do with the fact that you are changing or transitioning from one chapter of life to another. Uh. And I think whenever you do that, you know, the, the stages of grief start kicking in, right? Your denial, your anger, your depression, your, your, your negotiation, your bargaining and things like that all kicks in as well because you're losing something. And this is not a small thing. This is a way of life that you used to have, right? Perhaps parties or whatever it is, right? And now you're domesticated with two kids, right? 
Um, and it's understandable that you have all these frustrations, right? I think what's important here is for you to sit down and evaluate lah, and ask yourself really simply, like a simple pros and cons list, for example, right? What you have going for you right now and what you don't, right? And ultimately, it's really about reframing the way you see things, reframing your life right now, lah. So if you keep comparing with your previous chapter of your life, then it's always going to be bad because that was fun and exciting and wonderful, and now I've you know it's different. It's a lot more different. I'm, I'm stay at home or I've got a job. It can be fun and exciting. A different way, though. Exactly, exactly. So instead of comparing, you look at your life as it is right now. So you don't compare, lah. And, and to be fair, that's pretty decent、uh, suggestion for any aspect of your life, lah, from work to a competitive、mm. sport or whatever it is, right? You know, the more you compare, the more that that desire, that want, that longing is going to get evoked,、mm. lah, right? And it can be a good thing if you're you're.、Uh, Um, you know, if it's career-wise, for example, you want more in your career, that can be a good thing. But if for other aspects, it can be quite damaging as well, because it's very negative. So I'll probably start there, and then after that, have that conversation with husband as well. And then there are things that you can do to spice up your relationship and make things a bit more exciting and things like that as well. So basically,、mm-hmm. stop pining for the good old days, lah. Yeah, I guess. You, you know, you know. Also, there's that thing of like it's selective memory, right? It's like it's the real that we remember all the good times. You don't forget all the times you were miserable. Yeah, lonely, it's the idea、single. of. That yeah, thing yeah, that was、yeah. great. The actual thing is horrible, right? Yeah, the highlights real.、Yeah. That's all you remember. Exactly, the highlights exactly, real, right? Exactly. Well, the Facebook, Instagram effect, like you don't see what goes behind the scenes, right? Yeah. Um, and when you really sit down and think about it, it's like,、well, you know, is it really that great?、Mm. Probably not, right? Okay, Doc.、Uh, this is again from someone anonymous who says, "I've been married for five years now, and I've been trying to tell my wife that I'm feeling so depressed, but she doesn't take me." Seriously or listens, she just expects me to work, make money, and she's happy when I don't say anything. But if I try to talk to her, she gets angry with me and behaves like I'm ruining the marriage. I only get affection if I act normal and happy. So every day I just pretend. Can you help? Oh, that's really rough. So I think in any relationship, ah, the foundations of any good relationship is communication, ah, and I think it's quite clear from what you're saying here that there is some. Irregularity here, lah, because it seems like your wife only wants to focus on the positive, right? To be fair, I think there is probably reasons why she's like that. Maybe she's struggling on her own, and she's got her own baggage and issues to deal with. So perhaps you are her rock, her anchor. You know, if you are crumbling, if you are going through a bad time, then she just freaks out and panics. Maybe it's that I don't know, right? But what's clear is that I think you guys need to rebuild that communication bridge, lah, because you are being frustrated as well. I mean, we can only pretend that we are okay for so long before we going right. That's it. I'm I'm throwing the towel. I can't handle it anymore. Right.、Mm. And as much as we would always encourage couples to try it out and see whether they can communicate together or not, I think there are also times when yeah, seeing a couple therapists would be a good idea lah, because it gives you guys a safe space. Someone says the unmentionables or the things that you know we keep quiet because we're embarrassed or shy out loud, and then gives us the opportunity to talk about the things that、uh, freak us out or worry us or whatever it is lah.、Right? So I think that might be a good option for you lah. We'll see a couple therapists together. At least it's a nice, safe, neutral place for you guys to just vent everything out, and then once it's out, it's out. You know, you just、yeah. verbal diarrhea, lah, so to speak, right? And then after、yeah. that, you guys can work through what's going troubling you.、Lah. I think also it's interesting, like even <laughs> if you're. Wife doesn't go with you. I mean,、mm-hmm. Doc, would it be highly beneficial if he actually goes out and gets himself a therapist or a counselor to to start working with? Yeah, because I'm、would. just thinking she might not want to go. Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think it would definitely help out. 
I think it's just that because it, he clearly identifies like that the relationship aspect of it is difficult, then the ideal would definitely be couples, lah, right? Couples therapy. Mm. But let's say the wife doesn't want to or whatever reason doesn't want to go, right? Then yeah, individual is definitely gonna be helpful as well because then mm. you can then regulate your own um dissatisfaction, for example, and then why it's so important that uh, that your wife lah finds it that you need you need to be happy all the time and all that kind of things, lah. So we got an anonymous message on our Did You Like line and it reads, I cannot say no without feeling guilty. I feel very bad that I have enough money to survive and I am comfortable. But friends asking to borrow or for me to pay hospital bills, etc. I want to help, but expectation is there to help more. I feel like a terrible person to say no or don't want to because I'm also scared of the future and what I may need. I feel so guilty all the time that others are suffering so much. I, 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 think, I think the question is this person's... <laughs> having trouble saying no and then you know combine the guilt yeah feeling guilty about it and and sort of like feeling like you know they're privileged and they should be helping (laughs) but i think there's a lot of conflict going on here okay okay um right so i think um you know good on you i think you're helping a lot of people and you're you're willing to help as well i think you know the world needs definitely needs a lot more people like that who are willing to help but i think it's important also for us to understand the why behind we're helping Right, the intentionality behind it, mm. So I think if your intentionality of wanting to help is born out of guilt, out of frustration, out of um, you know, um, I I feel bad that I've got all these resources that other people don't, even though you're helping, at the end of the day, it's not going to be happiness, uh, satisfaction that women help people. It's a sense of relief, right? So I think right. that's something that will be you need to address. That. You need to ask yourself, how come? Why is there that guilt there? I'm not saying don't help. It's not no I'm saying at all. Mm. But the why behind you helping, you need to understand that. La. Then you find a lot more congruency, a lot more uh, relief la, when you're able to come to terms with that part of your life. La. So it's basically not helping her. It, the fact, despite the fact she's helping other people and feels kind of forced like she has to and correct. all the conflict, it's not helping her. Correct, correct. Exactly that. Doc, another anonymous uh, message here on the DigiLight line, and it reads, I can't afford to see a therapist or go counseling, but my girlfriend says I'm very quick to anger. How can I stop it? It's very interesting. Yeah, Yeah. a very popular uh, struggle as well, especially during COVID. We do see a big rise in that. Right. Um, so off the bat, there's some simple things that you can do. Uh, YouTube, for example, is replete with uh, resources where you can use to um, manage frustrations and anger. So mindfulness techniques, for example, relationship exercises and things like that. There are also very specific anger management kind of uh, steps that you can take, right? So the more traditional, well-known ones are things where you have a distance between you and your stressor, right? So let's say it's a friend or or your computer, you know, or you're working on a project or a game, whatever, and it frustrates the potatoes out of you. Um, <laughs> counting the 10, for example, those are the really popular ones that we see. Leaving the place, leaving the space, right? So if it's in the room that you're, you're having a fight with, leave that place. Um, not responding, right? So that means you don't say anything out of anger. You wait first and then... Um, uh, retreat think about it process then come back again so those are simple rules that you can set in place right but all of this boils down to how your anger is expressed some people are the brewing uh, ruminative kind of angry people right so they let something stew and stew and stew and stew and they explode Mm. if you're that kind of angry person then i think it's a lot easier to manage and handle because then there's time but if you're the explosive anger kind then i think you probably need to get a little bit more um, direct active intervention right (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I'm that kind, oh. yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. 
Yeah. So in that case, I think therapy can be useful because then the therapist will help confront you about the anger, where it's coming from, and why it's uh, so so explosive like that. Um, I hear you that therapy is expensive, and it is. Uh, it's quite a resource-intensive uh, endeavor, uh, right? But there are quite a few good options available. All right. Um, MMHA, for example, uh, Malaysian Mental Health Association, they do uh, really low-cost therapy sessions. Um, there's also uh, Thrive Well, which is also another NGO um, social enterprise, which also provides therapy at very low rates. Um, and nowadays, also, there are many, many online options for therapy, right? So instead of paying like you know, $300 per session, it's a few hundred dollars per month. And then it's unlimited usage. You can text them and uh, get uh, help from a therapist as well. Yeah. So maybe it's more more cost-effective, right? So those are some of the options you can try and see. Mm. Does a rubber band work? I've seen, you know, in a lot of movies, they have what? people in anger management courses. They have a rubber band that they're pinging the whole time. Does that actually work? It does because it, it brings you back to the moment uh, and that's where right. the, the, the mindfulness kind of activities uh, occur. Uh. But again, if it's you're the explosive kind, it's probably not going to help you, right? If you right. are the more ruminative, uh, contemplative kind of angry person, then yes, I think that would be quite useful actually. Okay. 